Well, again, good evening. It's good to see each of you here, and we hope you've had a good, prosperous day. Um, hope you've got some rest today and enjoyed being with your families and different things. So we're, but we're glad to be able to end the day like we are tonight, being able to come together um, and uh, worship again, once again and being able to study God's Word together. Again, we miss those who are not with us, those who are traveling, and we do wish them well uh, as they travel and come back to us, and we look forward to when they do. And those who are sick, we continue to remember those as well, and uh, we, uh, we continue to pray for those who need our prayers in one way or the other. Continuing in the book of Proverbs, wisdom regarding alcohol. I guess this is a topic that is more debated in the world today than we could say, per se, uh, 20, 30 years ago. It's always been a debated topic, right or wrong, um, those types of things. But more in our society today, more and more people are finding their way in the use of alcohol. And... A lot of that, a lot of those people, are people of the church, unfortunately. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of Christians now who make the claim that um, we can social drink, that we can partake in those things and be okay. And I, I heard, a, actually I heard a Church of Christ preacher say one time that I can't, I'm not going to condemn it. I can tell you tonight, I'm going to condemn it. There's no good that can come from alcohol. No good. I've had people say through the years, well, you're just a little more sensitive because you grew up in an alcoholic home. Well, that might be the case. But the Bible has a lot to say about the use of alcohol. And we've heard all the debates for uh, medical reasons. Uh, a lot of the cough medicines we have uh, are infiltrated with uh, a certain percentage of, of alcohol and, and those things <clears throat> uh, most certainly are for medical help and in, in times of, of their need. Rubbing alcohol. Now, I knew a man one time that was an alcoholic and if he was in your home, you better hide the rubbing alcohol. That's how bad he was. He would drink a bottle of rubbing alcohol. Um, so again, the Bible has a lot <clears throat> to say about 
the use of alcohol in one's life. It's a serious problem today. It involves the consumption of alcohol. I guess the last statistics I looked, more than 30% of Americans at some time in their life has had an alcohol use uh, disorder, and that was brought out by the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholics, or Alcoholism. Nearly 100,000 people die every year to alcohol-related causes. Alcohol is one is more dangerous than some illegal drugs uh, that we know of, like marijuana and uh, ecstasy and others, and it should be classified as such in, in legal systems. But alcohol is blamed for more than half of all visits to the hospital emergency rooms, as one uh, survey put it. It's a common drink now. Uh, a lot of people look at that, it's just, uh, it's just like uh, having a, a Diet Coke or a glass of sweet tea. And most certainly the Bible does not present it as that. Many homes uh, will have, have, that, have alcohol in it. Many um, weekends on the lake, if you ever go up on uh, Del Hollow on the weekend or Center Hill and on a boat, it's everywhere. It's in every boat, just about. It's in every boat. Go to a restaurant, same thing. So the book of Proverbs warns us against the dangers of alcohol, whether in the form of a, the wine or reference of strong drink. It has the potential of leading one astray, Proverbs 20 and verse 1 says to us, uh, let me get there and I'll read it. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Sounds like a warning to me, doesn't you? Stay away. Stay away from it. It's not good for you. But what further wisdom can be gleaned from Proverbs concerning alcohol? Alcohol in the book of Proverbs says in Proverbs 21 and verse 17, says to us, it gives us a warning against those who love wine. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man, and he that loveth wine and oil shall not be, what, rich. Sounds like a warning to me. Proverbs 23 in verses 20 and 21, a warning against spending time with wine bibbers and drunkards. When you read verse 20, it says, Be not among wine bibbers, among righteous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Most certainly, 
referring to the effects of what alcohol has on one's body and mental state when one partakes of those things. I can tell you tonight that alcohol, in whatever form you want to make it, has been the great downfall of many good men, many businessmen, young people and older people alike. Alcohol tonight can and will destroy your life. You say, well, well how, why is that? They always, you see the commercial, it's all, they're always got the best kind of truck. They've always got the best kind of camper. They always got the best kind of boat. They got the best kind of cooler. Well, it don't look like they're, they're, they're suffering to me. But I'm going to tell you, you don't see, you don't see the results of one who is partaking of those things when it comes such a problem that their children suffer. The family suffers. Maybe no food. Maybe no running water. Maybe no electricity. The embarrassment of a drunk parent in public. The repeated, uh, repetitive times of being arrested. And now they put names and papers and, and all sorts of things. But alcohol will ruin your life. What's the defense one would say, would say sometimes? They would say, well, I'm not an alcoholic. I only drink just a little bit just to be with my friends and be like my friends, to make the, the party a little more uh, eventful or to make the weekend a little bit more relaxed, one might say. But you know, the Bible speaks against those things. It can lead us to woe and sorrow. Proverbs 23 and 29 and 30 speaks of the sorrow and the contentions and complaints and the wounds which without cause and the redness of eyes. There's a whole lot. That right there, that, that, those in Proverbs 23, 29 and 30, describes an alcoholic home. The contentions, the sorrow, and complaints, and the wounds, and the redness of eyes. It is seductive and can destroy one just like the seductress woman that Proverbs 23 and 31 and 32 and five, chapter 5 and 3 through 5 speak about. It seduces one. Any alcoholic will tell you that it's not the 18th drink that gets them drunk. They will always tell you that it's the first. It's the first drink of alcohol. Because most of the time, one will not control that. And one drink leads to another. And two leads to three. And three to four. And then right on down the line. And it's probably, this topic is probably a topic that is probably in every one of our families in some shape, form, or fashion. We know someone that we could probably name or knew someone. And maybe you've experienced the sorrow that comes from alcohol in a family 
or that, uh, the effects of that in a family. But it can destroy lives. It can alter your senses. What do they always say? When they're stopped, you watch these reality shows on TV, so when they stop, you've been drinking tonight? Well, I had, I had one. <laughs> I had a little bit. That's what they always say. In reality, they may have forgot about the other 15. I don't know. But often, it alters that. And it often, the next morning, uh, they have a lot of regret because of the things that they had done and, 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 uh, in public or whatever. You look at Proverbs uh, 23 and 33. It says, Thine eyes shall behold a strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Why? Because of the effects of alcohol. We've often heard the country songs that talk about dancing on the tables in the bars. Or we've often heard about the fights or the things that were said or done the night before. And, and often that person will not remember what they did because they were so infiltrated with this drug called alcohol. Alcohol gives you a false sense of security, exposing you to great danger. And we're all familiar with driving drunk. And we as a society has said, oh, if I can take and, and we can provide free rides home, it's still okay to do it. Or if we, we have a, a bartender that says, you had enough, you said, he, they make the judgment, you can't serve you anymore, that'll be okay. Or, or, or again, we give uh, free rides home. Yes, we're controlling maybe the problem of driving drunk, but not the effects of alcohol. When you have to provide those things, something's wrong with our way of thinking. We as Christians should be staunch against the use of alcohol in those ways and refrain from those things. This topic tonight of alcohol has destroyed many, many lives. Both those who drink and innocent ones who cross their paths. I had a man one time tell me, he says, there's nothing wrong with me drinking with my friends as long as I don't get drunk. I said, well, what determines when you get drunk? Well, I can handle my alcohol a whole lot better than other people. Well, I'm going to tell you, this is the way I look at that. If you take two people and it takes one, it takes ten uh, beers to make you drunk or uh, exuberate you as far as your senses and things, and it only takes me five, if I drink one beer, I'm one-fifth drunk. If I drink two beers, I'm two. And so it goes with a guy who drinks ten. We have to guard against those things and not be a part of it. Alcohol, again, impairs the judgment of flows. 
Proverbs 31 and 4 and 5, which is why kings and princes were to abstain from that. They were warned against it. Don't do that because don't partake of those things. It, it, it'll mess with your judgment. You won't be able to make good decisions. Alcohol is not for those who would be wise. Indeed, wine is a marker, mark, mocker. Strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Proverbs 21 and verse 1. And because of such warnings and the serious problem that you and I see in our society today with alcohol, we need to understand these things. We need to be warning our children and our, our people in our lives not to partake of those things. Not to even go down that road because if you go down that road you, you just might not make it back. And I'm going to tell you if you've never attended an AA meeting, an Alateen meeting, or an Al-Anon meeting, and you're probably saying, what is all that? AA is Alcoholics Anonymous. They have a meeting just about every night for those who suffer from the addiction of alcoholism that they can take and come and be with people that have that same addiction and share how they're overcoming those, those addictions. The program, Al-Anon, is for spouses of alcoholics, mainly the wives, sometimes the husbands. Alateen is for children. He said, well, how do you know? Well, I grew up in Alateen. I used to go to Alateen meetings every week. And the very night that I, first night that I walked into a meeting of, there was, there was seven or eight other young people my age sitting there, and they told their name, and they told their story. You see, every alcoholic child has a story just as the alcoholic does. And I sat there at that table that night wondering, and before then I was like, wow, am I the only kid who's experienced these things? Am I the only kid who's lived this life? And as I walk in and I hear seven to eight other kids say, tell the same story and some worse than what mine was. I didn't feel such alone. And Alateen helped me to be able to get through and understand the disease, to understand the addiction that one has with those substances. So what do we think? What should we think? You see, drunkenness in Romans 13 and 11 through 14 refers to this as a work of darkness. Not an element of the armor of light. We as Christians should want to be the light of, of, of the world as we're told and commanded to be. And we're not going to be that light when we're taken on the lake or where we're at or at a restaurant and, we, and we've got alcohol on our table or in our hand. We're not going to be that light. You can't convince me that that looks good or it's even good. Because it doesn't. A conduct that not repented of will keeps one out of the kingdom of God. 
1 Corinthians 6 and 9 through 10, Galatians 5 and 19 and 21 through 21 references these things. A drunkard, a person that, that involves themselves in these things cannot go to heaven. Contrary to a lot of what people would tell you tonight, some in the Lord's church would say, oh yeah, you can go. I knew one time of a situation years and years and years ago of in the member of the church that he's going to make a man a deacon. And you know what the elders had to go do? They had to go tell him to shut down his wet bar in his home before they could make him a deacon. Now, I want to tell you, that ain't right. <laughs> you can't convince me that's right. Well, we just have it for Christmas time and, and some parties and, and this, that, and other. How do we Christians look at that? We are to dedicate ourselves to doing the will of God and not the lust of men. 1 Peter 4 and verses 1 and 2. Did you hear me? Dedicate our lives to do the will of God. Again, no one can convince me ever that a Christian can partake in those things and be the light of the world. Can't do it. Cannot do it. And the, the quite often term we hear today is social drinking. Social drinking. Y'all have heard it, haven't you? Social drinking. I socially drink. At Christmas time, I go and we have a company party and I drink with my fellow employees or employer because he's paying for all of it. I can socially drink on the boat on the weekend or I can socially drink at, at, at this restaurant and, and, and uh, partake of these things. Again, we are to dedicate our life to the will of God. And thus we are to abstain, 1 Peter 4 and verse 3, we are to abstain from drunkenness, reveries, drinking parties. And we can just go on down the line. Young people find themselves often in those positions. As I coach, and I'm around young people a whole lot, and a lot of times on the practice field or different places, uh, I hear about the parties. Yes, our young people are still having parties at different places. And they're still partaking in those things that you are faced with. Don't be so naive and so whatever that, oh, my kids are not being tempted with that because they are. They are. And we have to teach our children that it's wrong. We can't have the attitude as boys will be boys or girls will be boys and, 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 and uh, everybody's doing it. We can't have that attitude. Because I'm going to tell you, at the, 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 the parents that have sat at the, and I've sat at their feet with tears in their eyes and they're wondering, where, where did I go wrong? What did I do wrong? 
because they had to go and get their child out of jail. Or they had to go and, and identify the body of their child because of the drinking. You see, parents, we have a responsibility to know where our children are. We have a responsibility. I don't care how old they get. I have an 18 and I have a 22-year-old. I'm going to know where they are. Why? Because I'm their daddy. And if they're not where they're supposed to be, I'm going to find out why they're not where they're supposed to be. Yes, I will cut the reins at some point. But we have that responsibility. And young people, let me talk to you. You have a responsibility too to let your parents know where you are. You don't run around and they don't know where you are. Because I'm going to tell you what my grandma used to say. Ain't nothing good happens after 9 o'clock. <laughs> I said, please, mama, let me stay out at 10 o'clock. <laughs> we become so naive sometimes as Christians and as people in our society and as parents. That we say, oh, my kid will never do that. Ooh, that's a dangerous statement, eh? Just as you say, my kid will never do that, guess what? They're going to do it. Or we become so deceived and so naive that we allow our young, young boys and girls to date way before they should be dating. And, and we allow them to put themselves into positions of being alone when they shouldn't be alone. And things happen. And we're not talking about just alcohol. But we as parents allow that and say, oh, my child won't do that. You cannot change the chemistry how God made their bodies. Now you might deceive yourself into thinking that, oh, I can let my children be alone and go into the bedrooms and watch TV. or what. But I can guarantee you that Satan is right there with them. And we as parents should be so aware of those things and we need to be asking our children and coaching our children and say, those things are not going to happen. I always tell a story of, of my good wife when we were only just a few months away of getting married. And I sat down in, in the dining room in, in a chair and Amanda sat on my knee, not in my lap, but on my knee. And her mother turned around and I thought Satan had come. She said, you ain't married yet. Get up off of his knee. I thought then, I was like, Geraldine Huffine, boy. She didn't say a whole lot, but when she did, you knew your business. That's what I'm talking about. In old Neil Huffine's home, there wasn't no going back to the bedroom and watching movies. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. Wasn't going to happen in my home. Because I'm going to tell you, we can't change the way God made us, male and female. And thank God for that. Because God knew what he was doing.
but we need to be aware of those things, not only for our older selves, but our young people. We need to teach them that it's wrong. We need to coach them. We need to be a parent. We need to be a grandparent. And we need to do our jobs and quit worrying about offending our children and you need to offend them. If your child is not ever mad at you, you're not doing your job, basically. <laughs> My kids get mad at me all the time. Because I say, no, you ain't going to do it. But why? Because I said so. You know how the process works, right? But everybody else is doing it. If everybody else goes and jumps off a cliff, are you going to go jump off a cliff? No. Y'all know how it works, right? But that's conversations we need to be having with our children. And protecting them from these things. Because I'm going to tell you what, it only takes one time. Young people, let me hear you. It only takes one time to take that drug, whatever it may be. Alcohol, marijuana, nicotine, whatever it may be, it only takes one time to put it into your system, that it runs through your system, into your brain, and it's there. And if you have a family like mine, we have addictive personalities. All the way back through my great, great, great grandpa and grandma. So if we know those things, we need to protect ourselves from those things. It only takes one time to become addicted. And some, some drugs are a lot quicker than, I mean, just one time, and you're there. And it's hard to get back from where you need to be. So tonight, we as Christians need to be aware of those things. Young people, please protect yourselves. I don't care what someone says. I don't care how cool you want to be. Please, please protect yourself. Don't involve yourself. It's not godly. Alcohol is wrong. Drugs are wrong. It will lead you down a long, long life and a long, long road. It makes you poor physically and, and, and uh, materially. And I want to tell you, it's hard sometimes to get, get away from it. Please protect yourself. Paul writes a lot about it to Timothy. Speaks of even the medical use of those things. But tonight, you and I must prayerfully, prayerfully consider the role of the influence regarding alcohol. I would say probably everyone in here don't, does not struggle with that. But I bet you know someone who does. And I'm going to tell you, it can be a temptation for you, whether you're 80 or whether you're 18. It can be a temptation. Just the other day, I was in a business meeting and eating lunch with a man. He said, you want a beer? <laughs> he already knew I was a preacher. I don't know if he thought I was a drinking preacher or what. I don't know. I said, no, I don't, I don't partake of those things. <laughs> but I knew right then. 
you know, one person might say, well, would nobody know? If I don't drink with them or partake with them, may, they may not like me. They may not keep me on. You see, that's not, that's not good, good business. Take and protect yourself. There's a lot of things and a lot of wisdom regarding this in the book of Proverbs and throughout the Bible. It can lead to poverty, destroy lives, and perish judgments. And in view of the teachings found in the New Testament, we need to prohibit drunkenness. And we need concerns regarding our influence to other people. Tonight, maybe you don't struggle with these things, but you may struggle with other things in your life, <clears throat> other temptations. Maybe it's your speech. We've already talked about our speech. Maybe it's our work ethic at our workplace and how we're viewed in the workplace uh, from our fellow employees and employers. Maybe it's in the marriage, in the home, being a, a better child or a better uh, son, a better daughter because we are faced with those temptations. The Lord says he'll provide a way of escape, doesn't he? Always remember that, young people. The Lord will provide you a way of escape. You just have to look for it and want to escape it. Maybe you haven't escaped those things in your life and you've sinned. Tonight, we encourage you. Maybe you need to become a Christian. Have those sins washed away. Be added to the Lord's church. Have that hope of heaven. Maybe you need prayers. Let us pray for you and with you for forgiveness of sins. Confess those sins and repent. Tonight, whatever your need may be, please come. As together we stand and as we sing. <clears throat>